All right, Hebrews chapter 2, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 4. If you have your Bibles there, uh, let's, let's read there um, together. Actually, uh, Hebrews chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 1. Verse 1, it's 1 through 4. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. If you got it, say amen. All right. Praise God. So let's read that together. And uh, let's, let's believe God that he's going to minister today. Hebrews 2, 1. So we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard. Or we may drift away from it. For the message God delivered through angels has always stood firm. And every violation of the law and every act of disobedience was punished. So what makes us think we can escape if we ignore this great salvation that was first announced by the Lord Jesus himself and then delivered to us by those who heard him speak? And God confirmed the message by giving signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit wherever he chose. Now reading out of the NIV in verse 1, it says, We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. I was reading a, a short uh, snippet here of a story of a man in 2014. It was a, Sal a Salvadorian fisherman. And it says that he washed ashore on the tiny Pacific atoll of Al uh, Ebon in the Marshall Islands after drifting at sea. Listen to this. For 13 months. He was at adrift at sea for 13 months. Jose Salvador Alvarenga left Mexico for a day of shark fishing in December uh, 2012. He said he survived on fish, birds, and turtles before his boat washed ashore 5,500 miles away. Now there's many things that we could pull out of that snippet uh, that, that we could um, learn from, but I want to look at, at the last part of that that it says that he, his boat washed ashore 5,500 miles away. Now, mind you, the United States from the westernmost part to the easternmost part is about a little short of uh, 2,900 miles. So this man drifted out in the ocean with no control, just, just drifting on the, the, the ocean's currents for about the, the span of two, two of the sizes of the United States. The Bible says, so that we do not drift away. And I want to uh, uh, speak a message entitled, The Dangers of Drifting This Morning. If you would bow your heads, let's pray that the Lord would help us uh, this morning as we get into his word. Father, we come before you, Lord. We're so grateful, God, for your mercy and for your grace, God. We're thankful for your word and the truth that you've given us, Father God, that you've bestowed upon us, Father. Lord, and I pray today, God, that as your word comes forth, that our hearts would be open, our hearts would be soft, God, that our ears would be open to receive your word with gladness, Father God, that we would walk out of here uh, different, that we would walk out of here changed, Father God, understanding you, knowing you better, Father God, than when we walked in, and that you would help us, Father God, never to be adrift, Father God, but to be anchored, Father, on your word and to accomplish all that you've called us to accomplish in this world. Father, we thank you. We ask in Jesus' name. And we all say, amen. amen. The dangers of drifting. Now, in our text here, the Bible says we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard. To what we have heard so that we do not 
drift away. It's not God's desire that we would drift away from the promise that he's given us. Can you say amen? He has something powerful for you and I. For those tuning in online, welcome. We're grateful that you tuned in. And those that are here in, in the sanctuary, God has something powerful and precious for you. But the enemy would love to just set us adrift for, for our anchor to be pulled up so that we just are, are at the mercy of the, the current of this world. And how many know the, the current of this world is strong? It's pulling people, it's directing people, it's driving people to all kinds of different directions, but the Lord tells us and wants us to not drift away. So the first thing that we have to understand when we talk about this topic is that we have to pay careful attention. Say, pay attention with me. Pay attention. We have to pay careful attention. Now in this life, in this walk that God's called us to, we can't be careless. We have to be intentional in this life that we live. God's called us to something powerful. God's called us to accomplish something great in the short time that we've been given here on this earth. But we have to pay attention. We have to pay careful attention because we have an enemy that's constantly trying to lie to us, to deceive us, to have us go into this direction or that direction based on our, our feelings or our emotions or all kinds of the things that we deal with. That's the enemy's desire. But we have to pay careful attention. We can't be careless with what God's entrusted us with, with what he's given us. All throughout God's word, he's given us many warnings and signs to always be watchful. The Bible tells us that. God tells us that, to be watchful. Now, as the, the technology is just constantly developing, have you ever been on the freeway, right, and talking about freeway speeds where, where you look over and you're driving, you're doing your best to pay attention, but you look over to the person right next to you, what are they doing? They're texting away on their phone. Maybe they're holding the steering wheel with their, you know, with their knee and they're just texting away. They're, they're writing some type of biography. They're just, they're oblivious to what's in front of them and they're just texting away. Have we seen that? We've all seen it. It can't be careless. Because in a moment, things can change. We have to always be watchful. Now, there's a passage uh, with the children of Israel who, as we read God's word in the Old Testament, we understand how God loves Israel and it's God's people and how he saved them from, uh, from slavery under the hand of Pharaoh. And in this passage, in, in Exodus chapter 32, in this passage, Moses was, was leading the children of Israel. He led, he, uh, led them out of uh, captivity. And they were on the move, they were headed to the promised land, right? But, but for a moment there, God was going to take Moses up to the mountain to, to give him the laws, the Ten Commandments. So the children of Israel had to wait down at the bottom of the mountain. So Moses goes up with God and he's spending, he's spending time with God. Now listen to what happens with the children of Israel as their leader, as Moses uh, went away just for a, a, a little bit of time. Exodus chapter 32. The Bible says, when the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. Come on, they said, make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. So Aaron said, listen to what Aaron said, who was, who was Moses' right-hand man. He said, take the gold rings from the ears of your wives and sons and daughters and bring them to me. So Aaron's giving them instruction here. So all the people took the gold rings from the ears, ears and they brought them to Aaron. And Aaron took the gold, mounted it down, and molded it into the shape of a calf. When the people saw it, they exclaimed, O Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. 
Aaron saw how excited the people were, so he built an altar. So it gets worse here. So he built an altar in front of the calf. Then he announced, tomorrow will be a festival to the Lord. The people, uh, then the people got up early the next morning to sacrifice burnt offerings and peace offerings. After this, they celebrated with feasting and drinking, and they indulged in pagan revelry, the Bible says. Now let's remember that Moses was up there with the Lord. So the Lord told Moses, quick, go down to the mountain. Your people whom you brought from the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. How quickly they have turned away from me, uh, from, uh, turned away from the way I commanded them to live. They have mounted down the gold and made a calf, and they have bowed down and sacrificed to it. They are saying, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. We see how quickly the children of Israel became depraved when their leader wasn't there, when they got impatient, they turned away, they drifted in their hearts away from what the Lord wanted them to do. See, there are many points that we could pull out of this passage, but I think, it's, I think the crux of it is, is, as we're talking about it this morning, is, is, is in verse 1. When the people saw, saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. When they saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down from the mountain. It's impatience. God was doing something powerful. They were on their way to the promised land. Just like you and I. God's leading us somewhere, right? He's taking us somewhere. God is, is always on the move. He's always leading us. His Holy Spirit is always leading us. So God's leading us somewhere powerful. But what happens when we don't get there as fast as we want to? What happens when there's perhaps a waiting period in our lives? What happens? What is our response when that happens? Prayerfully, it's a, it's a spiritual response, a response of character, a response of drawing closer to the Lord, a response of, of, of seeking God, saying, God, help me in this waiting time. Help me, Lord. Build me. Do what you want me to do. See, we can do that. Or we could do as the children of Israel did. We get impatient, so then we, we go to other things. We say, Lord, I'm done waiting for you. God, how long do I have to wait for this thing? There's this desire in my heart, this thing that I want, and God, you're not doing it, so I'm just going to take matters into my own hands, and I'm going to do it my own way. And that's what the children of Israel did. And it angered the Lord. And we know the story as you go on, how God brought judgment to these people, to the children of Israel. People of God, let it not be said about us that when God has us waiting or when he's leading us and we're maybe not getting what we want fast enough that we just fly the coop and we're gone. Because why? Because we grow impatient. Be careful when you're feeling impatient. It's said of patience that a man who is a master of patience is a master of everything else. There's another saying that patience is bitter, but its fruit is sweet. Doesn't feel good to be patient, right? Doesn't feel good to wait. Especially if you, sometimes there's a lot of question marks. God, why are you having me wait? And, and maybe the Lord's not revealing it to you, but we could understand and we could look in God's word and understand and know that all things work out for the good. If perhaps you're in a waiting period today and you're getting impatient and you're being tempted to, to, to be hasty and to, to just, just jump the gun, maybe God's saying, just wait a little bit longer. Be patient. Trust in me. I know what I'm doing. God's saying I'm working something out beautiful for you, but you have to wait just a little bit longer. You have to trust me just a little bit more. You have to be patient. Don't, don't let impatience be the cause of your downfall or of our downfall. 
When we're feeling impatient, we have to be very careful with our next steps. Be very careful. Because the flesh doesn't like to be patient. Isn't that right? The Holy Spirit, the spiritual part of you, right? Your spirit, man, you're, 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 you're ready to be patient. You're ready to wait on God no matter what. But the, the, the flesh does not like to wait, church. Just look at how, how you act when you're there at a, at a stop sign for too long or at a signal for too long, right? We don't like to wait. None of us like to wait. The flesh doesn't like to wait or to be patient. But God says that we must be patient. Patience is a virtue. Israel, at one moment, they were being led into the promised land. They were following their leader, the leader that God placed over them. They were following God. And at the next moment, they dived into idolatry and into sin and to wickedness. And the Bible even goes on to say pagan revelry. All kinds of craziness was going on. See, if we're not careful, we can find ourselves entering into the same path that the children of Israel did, the path that the Lord doesn't want us to take. Why? Because we're being impatient. It's not easy. I'm not standing up here saying that it's easy to be patient. We're people of, of, of feeling. We're people of emotion. We're people of various passions, right? We're, we're people that want to see things done. But if we're not careful and if we're not patient with what God's doing in our lives, we can be led astray and the enemy will come in and begin to lie to us if we're open to it. Unless, unless, we decide to have our feet fixed on our Savior, fixed on the foundation that is true, Jesus Christ. We can't be impatient, so we have to pay careful attention. We can't be careless, church, so that we drift away. The Bible says that offenses will come. Doesn't, doesn't the Bible say that? So the Bible says. Sometimes you may be dealing with offense. You may be offended. You may be going through this. You may, be, you may be hurt for whatever reason. But what is our response to that? And again, not up here saying that it's always easy to do the right thing in those situations. But what will please God? I'll tell you what will please God. For you to continue to honor him. To keep him in your heart. To be a person of character to not be rash in your decisions, but to wait on the Lord, to take it to prayer, to seek God for that situation, and continue to stay the course and be steadfast with everything that God's called you to, despite the offenses. God will honor it. God will honor it. Now, Ephesians 5.15, the Bible says this. We're talking about being careful and paying attention. Be very careful, then, how you live. The Bible, again, is telling us, be careful. Be careful how you live. Be careful with what you do, where you go. You're a testimony. God's doing something great in your life. God wants to use you as a light in this dark world. Be careful with where you go and what you do. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. God will give us wisdom on how to live. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish. Bible saying don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And how do we know that, church? Through the word of God through learning the word of God, through reading the word of God, memorizing the word of God. Verse 18, it goes on, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. See, we're vessels. The Bible calls us vessels. We're all, we're all called to be filled with something. The problem is, is when we fill ourselves up with something that is not God. We're vessels. We need to be filled with something. The Bible's saying be filled with the Spirit. See, when we're filled with other things, it leads to all kinds of craziness. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, verse 19, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs. Doesn't that sound good? 
Man, speaking to each other in that way with, with, with words great, uh, uh, seasoned with grace and encouragement and wisdom and, and, and peace, all these things, right? So the Bible's saying, speak to one another with psalms and hymns and songs. Encourage your brother and sister. Uh, str- uh, strengthen them. Help them. Give them a word of encouragement. Because we know how it is to talk the other way, right? To diss people, to down people, to critique people, to be critical. All these things. But the Bible's telling us to take another way. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Sounds beautiful here. Always give thanks to the Lord. Uh, thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Church, if you could just highlight this in your, in your, in your Bible, if you could take a note of it, Ephesians 5, 15 through 20, especially when you're feeling impatient, especially when you're feeling irritable because things aren't going your way. Read the scripture, understand it, believe it, uh, memorize it, and this will help keep your feet on the right path so that what? We do not drift. So we have to pay careful attention. Secondly, we have to be honest. We have to be honest. Sometimes we drift in this life because we're not honest about the issues that we have going on in our lives. Right, there are certain things in our lives where we can, we can make an effort to take care of, or things that we could address in our lives, but how many know sometimes there are those issues in our lives that we don't like to deal with, we don't like to look at, perhaps because you, you disdain them so much, so you don't want to deal with it. But we come to church, to be honest, before the Lord, laying our lives out before God, saying, God, you know me. You built me, God. You made me. You created me. You know, you know my ins and outs, my, my good and my bad. So we have to be honest with ourselves. And God knows us, yes. But do we know ourselves and are we be, being honest with ourselves, church? Perhaps we don't want to look at those things in our lives and we want to cover them up with all kinds of different things, perhaps activity, busyness, other uh, things that we may get involved in. But there has to come a time where you have to take an account in your life. Each and every day we should do that. Look at your heart. Look inward. Where am I at? Am I pleasing God? Is this, this thing that I'm doing, is it, is it pleasing God? Is it a good testimony uh, to others about what the Lord's doing in my life? Or is it something that I don't even want to look at or talk about because I'm ashamed of it? We have to be honest. Amen. That's an amen right there. Have you ever not wanted to hear yourself, perhaps on, on video or camera, right? Or, or, you know, sometimes we just, we don't like, why? Because why? we don't like, maybe, oh, I sound weird. Is that how I sound? You ask, is that how I sound to everyone else? Yes, that's how you sound. That's how I sound, right? We've all been there where I don't want to hear myself. I don't want to look at myself. I don't want to hear myself, perhaps, in this video or that. And why is it? Because we think that it sounds weird. We think we don't like the way it sounds. We don't want to hear ourselves. And in the same way, there are things in our lives that that we know are causing issues in our lives. Or things that we don't want to work out in our lives. And we, we just, we sweep them under the rug. We hold on to them. We hide them for a number of different reasons. But these things, these are the very things that are affecting your life, affecting my life. We have to be open. God already knows you. He loves you. Man, he loves you more than you could imagine, but he knows, he knows your hang-ups already. He knows my hang-ups. He knows those things that you deal with. He knows those things that you don't like looking at or want to deal with. But even despite all that, 
Jesus still loves you. Can you say amen? He died for you. He wants to help you with those things. He doesn't want you to continue to live like that or with those things, but he still loves you and he calls you. And what does he say? And we use this uh, during the altar call a, a lot. He says, come as you are. I see how you are. I see those things that you deal with, that you struggle with. He says, come as you are. Let me help you. Let me strengthen you. He still loves you. He has hope for you. He has a perfect plan for you. But if we're not careful, we'll let those things that we don't want to deal with, that we don't like to deal with, we'll, we'll cause them to allow us to, uh, to keep us away from him, from drawing close to him. Why? Because of shame and hurt. Hebrews 12, 12, the Bible says this. It says, therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Strengthen your feebled arms and your weak knees. There are those areas that, that we just like to put on for show, right, to, to the world because we're strong in that area. Everything is great in that area. We have no problem talking about that thing or, 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 or just sharing that thing, right, because we're strong in that area. We're, we're scoring 100. You know, we're batting 1,000. It's 100% in that situation. But what about the areas that we're not so proud of? You don't want to deal with them. You don't even want to pray about them. You don't want to even uh, speak those things to the Lord. Why? Because you're ashamed or you're struggling with it. But God wants to help you, yes, with those things too. Every area of our lives, God wants to help us with. The weak areas. Strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Work on those things. With God's help and the strength of his Holy Spirit. He can bring change. He can bring deliverance. Chains can be broken. Thank you, Jesus. Deliverance can still happen. Thank you, Jesus. Can you say amen? This is a place. God wants to do something great, and today, he wants to do it today. Today, church, you, you know, we no longer have to live in that situation. God wants you to bring it to him. We have to be honest with ourselves. Take it to prayer. Ask God to help you with that thing. Voice it to the Lord, right? We talked a sermon just recently, right? Asking you shall we receive. You have to ask the Lord to bring that change in your life, to give you the strength to love, to forgive, to change, to grow, whatever it may be. The Bible says make level the paths for your feet. And this is going to come by being honest with ourselves. And not only that, but surrounding us, our lives with the right people. People that will help us to encourage us in that direction, right? There are people in our lives that will help uh, encourage us to go the other direction, right? They need a buddy. They want someone to just party with and to do all these crazy things with. There are those people, and there's no shortage of those type of, types of people that will root you on to go the wrong direction. But we have to surround ourselves with people that will help encourage us to go towards the Lord. People that will be honest with you when they need to be honest with you to speak truth into your life. Thank you, Jesus. And to understand, church, that we're not in it alone. We're in church. Look to your left and right. There are people there that will pray with you, that will encourage you, that will help you. Church is a blessed place to worship God, but it's also a blessed place of relationship. Can you say amen? Relationship, beautiful relationships that God's blessed us with. Friends and family that we have here in these, these, these four walls. That God's place in our lives to encourage us, to, to pray for us, to help us, to root us on. As your witness. 
There are days that I come in here into the house of God and I'm encouraged by, yes, those I talk to, but I'm encouraged by just those that I see serving God still, still pressing in, believing God. And I know their life's not perfect, just the same way that my life is not perfect, but here they are in the house of God going forward. Holding on by God's strength and by God's grace, pressing forward. Amen. Be encouraged, church. You're not alone in this fight. You're not alone in this race. There are people there that are, that are fighting it alongside you and I. So don't be afraid to ask one another, how are you? With sincerity, how are you? We're all susceptible, man. To, to, we're human. To falling, to failure, to, to, to just everything. How are you doing today? Is there anything I can pray with you about? All right, we get so busy and we're involved. Being busy for the Lord is good. We're, we're getting things done, but don't be afraid to ask each other, how are you doing today? How are you? Check in. Be honest. Accountability is beautiful, right? When we hear that word, man, we want to run the other way because why? Because the flesh doesn't like that. The flesh doesn't want to answer to anybody. The flesh says, I could do it on my own. I got this handled. Don't worry about me. I'm strong. I believe God. I'm, 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 I'm a soldier in the face. Don't worry about me, right? That's what we strive for, but we're human, and God will help us. There's people here to help. Amen. God will bring change. If you need prayer, ask for prayer. If you need encouragement, ask for encouragement. If you need direction, the people that God's placed around you, ask for direction. Amen. With your pastors, with your leaders, with those that God has entrusted uh, you with, ask. So we must pay careful attention. Amen. Secondly, we've got to be honest, as we just learned. And lastly, we have to be anchored. As we're talking about drifting, we have to be anchored. So how can we keep from drifting in this life, drifting towards the wrong things, the things that we don't want to be involved in, the things that God doesn't want us to go towards? How are we going to stand fast and stand firm? One, we have to be anchored. You have to keep serving God. Stay in this race. Don't throw in the towel. See, the enemy loves to just try to, to lie to us, and perhaps, uh, perhaps you, you've, you've made a mistake, or perhaps you've done something that you shouldn't have done. The enemy will just say, hey, you tried it, you gave it a try, it's not going to work for you, just forget about it, and it's easier to go on and to live the life that you used to live. Why bother, he'll tell you. But the Bible's filled with so much encouragement. Can you say amen? Yes, even about falling, even about failure. What does the Bible say that a wise man, what, will fall how many times? Seven times and get back up again. So right, the enemy will just look at the failure and says, hey, you fell. You don't fall once, twice, three times, but you fell seven times. The enemy will just show that to you. But what does the Bible call you if you fall and you still get up? The Bible calls you wise. God's always encouraging us, uh, encouraging us. That's the, the, the blessedness of the Holy Spirit is that he gives us hope. There's that conviction that comes and he's, and he's making us feel uncomfortable about these situations. Why? Because he's saying, son, daughter, I believe in you. There's a, there's a better way than this. I'm gonna give you the strength to move on. I'm gonna give you the strength to go forward, but you have to get up. You have to get up and go forward. Perhaps it's gonna feel weird. It's not gonna feel right, but as long as you go forward towards Jesus, you're doing the right thing. Keep serving God. Let's boil it down to the simple things of the faith. Keep coming to church. Don't stop coming to church. It seems like things are going crazy. It seems like things maybe are getting worse for you, but don't stop coming to church. The enemy would love to just isolate you. 
Haven't you see, ever seen the strategies of, of these, you know, particularly like the wolf pack? Have you ever watched like uh, National Geographic or you've seen these things? And I was watching just recently and there's the wolf pack and, and they're so amazing because they work together and they're, they're hunting down these bison who are, you know, millions of times stronger than them and can kill them, can pound them, can just destroy them. But what they do is they work as a team and you know what they're looking for? They're looking for weakness. And as they continue and sometimes for hours they're chasing this herd of bison and then the bison, what happens? They get scared or they start to drift and one of them will break off from the pack and get lost and they become isolated. And the wolves know at that time, that's their meal. They've waited them out. They've, they've chased them. They've, they've, and they're tired, but they've chased them constantly. And what are they waiting for? They're waiting for that moment of weakness, that mo moment of a rash decision for that bison to disconnect itself from the herd where there's safety and strength. And they become the victim right there. And that's what the enemy wants us to do. He wants to isolate you. He'll tell you, don't go to church. You have no business being in church. You're not worthy of being in church. You're a hypocrite if you go to church. He tells us all these things. But God say, no, come as you are. You're still my disciple. Come as you are. Stay in the house of God. Continue to hear the word of God being preached. Continue because if you keep coming to church, things are bound to change. Can you say amen? Keep coming to church. Stay in your word. Keep reading the word of God. Keep learning the word of God. Keep applying the word of God in your life. Continue to witness for the Lord and be in that testimony uh, around your area, your home, or your neighborhood, or at your workplace. Continue to be that testimony. Keep serving God. Even when you don't feel like doing, doing it, we have to do those things. Fix your eyes on your reference point, Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. That's what sin does. It will entangle, entangle us. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your gaze on Jesus. Let Jesus never leave your eyes. Let him always be the one that you're running after. Let him be your re reward because in that, he'll continue to bless you and strengthen you. We have to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. He's our reference point. He's our savior. He's our treasure. He's our reward. Proverbs 4.25, let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths of your feet and be steadfast in all of your ways. Verse 27, do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. Because why? Sin lies at the door. Sin is just right out the door. It's just a small step away. If we're not careful, it's not too far away to step into sin. So we have to keep our eyes focused and fixed on Jesus. There's something to be said about what your eyes look at and what you're focused on. Whatever you're gazing on is the direction that your life's going to take. Whatever you're looking at. In church, in this world, there's a lot of negativity. There's a lot of other things we could look at. A lot of other things that we could focus on, whether we talk outwardly or inwardly, right? A lot of things that we deal with, perhaps. And if you're focusing on the wrong thing, your life is going to start taking that, that direction towards that thing. But if it's anything other than Jesus Christ, 
It's going to end in disappointment. It's going to end in despair. Keep your eyes on Jesus. We have to keep our eyes on Jesus each and every day because as we do that, eventually we're going to get to where we want to be. Can't focus on the negative. Don't focus on the carnal. Don't focus on the wrong things in your life. Perhaps there at your workplace. Perhaps there's turmoil. There's things going on. What are you focus, focusing on? Are you focusing on the gossip? Are you focus, focusing on the backbiting and all these different things taking place? Or what are you focusing? Focus on the right thing. We could apply this to every area of our life. Focus on the right thing and we won't be dis, disappointed. Praise God. So as we conclude today, as our worship team makes their way up. You know, throughout the years in my life, and, and I know you could attest to this as well, I've, I've faced many trials, I've made, uh, faced many tribulations, times of testing, times of doubt, times of fear, times of question. Not knowing what the next step was. But I knew, I knew if I could just hold on, if I could just keep my eyes focused on Jesus, if I keep coming to church, if I keep applying those things that, that I've been taught in my life spiritually, that I was going to make it. That things were going to work themselves out. And I'll tell you what, as years, the years have passed on, things work out. God works it out on your behalf. Why? Because you're honoring him. You're, you're, you're standing anchored and steadfast according to his word. Face many decisions. There's been times of victory in my life, times of failures, times of testing. But through it, through it all over and over, each and every day, it's a daily decision. I've had to keep my eyes focused on Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of my faith. He's the one that I'm going to stand before. He's the one that I'm going to have to give an account for of my life one day. So I have to keep my eyes on him. Because he's not a liar. If you obey God, if you, if you trust in him, his word is filled with so many promises for you. Be steadfast. It's not easy. I'm not saying it's easy, but it's the right thing to do. It's the necessary thing to do. If we want to get to where God's called us to be, we have to focus on him. And the negativity, there's always going to be negativity. There's always going to be these things that try to come and take us off track. But if we keep our feet steadfast on him, if we stay anchored in the word of God, in the things of God, we're not going to be disappointed. And I close with this, this scripture here in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord, it's not in vain. It's not. Give yourself fully to it. Thank you, Jesus. Always. Sometimes it's, it's, it's going to be easier said than done, but no matter what, we know it's right, and we know this passage comes with promise. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So today we learned that we have to pay careful attention we have to be honest and we have to be anchored so that we would not drift away from the things that God's called us to because the current of this world is strong if we're not careful if we have our ears open to the wrong things that current will take us and it'll take us out to sea and 
we'll just be in our lives just set adrift there subject to the current of the world taking us here and there whatever is popular today or tomorrow but God's called us not to live like that we have to be anchored and we could be anchored in the Word of God so that we could accomplish all that he's called us to accomplish you receive that this morning thank you Jesus let's get let's give God praise in this place father we thank you Lord for your word today God we thank you father for your truth God we thank you for your mercy my God we thank you for your grace we thank you, Lord, that you tell us to, to come as we are, Father God, because you have a perfect plan for our lives, Father God. We're, great, uh, we're grateful, Father God, for all that you're doing. Hallelujah. Church, with every head bowed, every eye closed tonight.